You feeling good? Yeah, you ready for God's Word? All right. Two weeks ago in our series, uh, The Power of a Godly Vision, I started talking about the 10 gates that were around the city of Jerusalem that Nehemiah and the Israelites were repairing and rebuilding after returning to the city from being in a long exile captivity. You can see it right there. That's kind of uh, the, the city of Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day. In that message, uh, two weeks ago, we covered four of the ten gates. Uh, we covered the sheep gate representing Christ, the fish gate representing witnessing and evangelism, the old gate, which is solid foundational doctrine, and we covered the valley gate, which is dealing with humility and difficulties. Um, and, and that message two weeks ago has become to me one of my favorite messages that I've spoken thus far this year. Um, and if you weren't here or you, you missed it, man, I, I, I implore you to, to go online and, and watch it that day. We covered some great ground, and boy, the anointing of the Lord was strong in this place, and it was awesome. It was awesome. And I, I want to thank you all for praying. You know, we, you can tell we made it back safely from Ecuador. Hey, praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. It was an amazing time. We'll, we'll, in a couple of weeks, we're going to dedicate a portion of the service to talk about it and give a great report. Okay. Um, but I do want to tell you something that was interesting. Right after I gave that message two weeks ago, uh, with the fish gate, and that, was, that represented you know, evangelism and witnessing, um, I, I was sent a text by Megan and the girls saying, go get the girls and get them to Walmart and buy some very colorful post-it notes, and I did that, and they needed that because what they did then, Megan and the girls sat and wrote like Bible verses on post-it notes and little you know, godly sayings and things. They went to various stores, and they just posted them all over the place. It was awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. You know, it, it's, it really is, it can be that easy. And, and just the other day, do you guys know that we are a station for a, uh, we're a geocache location here at o Oso Creek? And some of you don't even know what that is, you know what I'm saying? But there's a movement of people that go around and they, they treasure hunt or they hunt things using their GPS on their phones. Well, the other day, me and Kalea were here and we noticed a truck out there and they were just looking around our light post, and we came and talked to Elizabeth, who was doing some office work, and they got in the car, and, and Kalea was like, Dad, let's go over there. I think they're geocaching. There's probably a, a, a something in there in that light. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's something I like. So, okay, let's go check it out. Sure enough, she lifted up the light base, and there was a little, uh, like a pill container with a little journal of people. There's been people coming here for two years looking for treasure on our land, and you take something and leave something. So I came in, and Elizabeth gave me these the, you know, little gospel tracks, and I put a whole bunch in there. So anybody else geocaches, hopefully they'll take one of those, and you know somebody may end up in heaven because they were geocaching. That's so cool about the fish gate, but that's what I'm talking about. So this morning, quickly, I want to cover the next three gates in Nehemiah 3, and then we'll talk about the following three gates next week, okay? And so keep your Bibles tabbed at chapter three as we will read each scripture that's pertinent to the gate that we're talking about. So we're gonna start with Nehemiah chapter three, verse 14. Nehemiah writes, Malchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hacherim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. So the, the, the fifth gate that I want to talk about, that is, you saw on the list, it, it started with the sheep gate and goes counterclockwise, it's rolling around. The fifth gate is the dung gate or the refuse gate. And I know what you're thinking. 
And yep, it is what you think it is, okay? <laughs> Nobody likes to talk about dung, right? <laughs> well, some people do, I don't know. Some people love to talk about dung. Well, that's, we're going to talk about that for a minute, all right? This gate led to the city dump. If, if you will look at a picture, Google it or whatever, or like here, yeah, it's at the very, very bottom, all right? It's like way out there, all right? Um, but this is the gate that led out to the city dump where the people would take their junk and they burned it. And it was a constant fire heap because they were always burning their junk. It was a continual fire. This place was known as Gehenna or the Valley of Hinman. And in Jesus' teaching, he often used this place to illustrate and refer to hell or Gehenna in his teachings, because of this continual fire burning and continual smoke billowing, it was always burning, all right? Uh-oh, my pack just died. Let's go to, we'll go to the microphone. I think the batteries just died. Check, 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 check. There we are. Good. Where was I? It was continually burning, right? Okay. It, this wasn't a fun place. It wasn't nice. It was not pleasant at all. I'm sure it really stunk, really bad. Kind of like one time, quite a few years ago, after I was deer hunting, all right, I had the meat processed, and all of us, we took it in, put it in the freezer. Next thing you know, after a few days, dude, my car smelled horrible, horrible. Come to, and it lasted for a week. We couldn't find it anywhere, but somewhere way under the seat, a piece of meat had slid down there. That was ugh, gross, right? That's the dung gate, all right? And, and so when we think of trash, a lot of times, you know, we're modernized, right? So, so we think of our trash containers that we pull out to the curb, and it, it all ends at the J.C. Elliott Collection Center in the city, okay? But hauling out the trash here in this context in the city of this, uh, Jerusalem was way different in con context. Not only was it trash, but the dead bodies of animals, the dead bodies of criminals and the like were thrown into this heap. Any kind of filth that you can think of was thrown into this trash heap outside of the city. Soiled things, dirty things, wasteful things, gross things, things that would make a, a Jewish person ceremonially unclean were tossed on this burning heap. All of this filthy uncleanness, dirt, and gross was taken out of the city through the dung gate to the city dump. I mean, this wasn't on the visitor's brochure, you know, to visit Jerusalem, nor was there, was there high ratings on TripAdvisor for the dung gate, okay? Uh, this wasn't a popular, beautiful gate like some of the other ones were, but it was a gate that was so vital to the health of the city because they had to get the garbage out. Because how many of you know, garbage left around, what's going to happen? It's nasty, right? It's going to stink. It's going to get rotten. Flies are going to get in there. And there's going to be maggots, and it's going to be gross. How many of you are ready for lunch? Yeah? All right? This gate, like the other three we already talked about, and the three that I'll talk about next week, are gates that are vital to our spiritual health and our spiritual walk as well, gang. And you might be thinking right now, okay, how does the dung gate, 
apply to our life. I understand the, the sheep gate representing Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Fish gate, witnessing evangelism. I've got it. Valley gate, a little tough, difficulties, humility, you know. Uh, the, the gates that we talked about. But, but the dung gate, Greg, well, I don't understand. Listen, this gate, this gate represents confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. The Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us walk toward complete holiness because we fear God. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and it, it won't be on the screens, he says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now this is Peter's great sermon after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two and people are gathering around and he gets a chance to come up and preach and he says, repent, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was John the Baptist message, the forerunner of the Messiah? Repent, repent, repent. We need to build the gate of confession and repentance in our lives. And just as this gate was the place where their, their trash was removed, the gate of confession and repentance is the place where we go for our junk and our trash to be removed by God. This is very important. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 3. Just listen to it and, and listen to the, the wording that he says. Is this one going dead too? Wow, okay. We are having a time with our batteries. Let's go to V3. Wait, keep talking, Greg? Okay, I'll keep talking. You can? One, two, three, four, five. Wait, take the mic down? I think you just hear me. Is it this? Oh, this mic. Whoa, all right. We'll just play mic shuffle today. How's that? Well, you know what I'm going to do? Watch this. Sorry, guys. Just in case. Turn all these on. All right. <laughs> I am the, I feel like the president of the United States or some, you know, all these. Remember that I did all that stuff? <laughs> Woo, we don't need all that. Thank you, Jake. Very observant. Worship pastor, worship director. All right. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to the believers in Colossae. Chapter three. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. But now is the time to get rid of rage, Anger, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Like Paul's just giving us the one-two uppercut, isn't he, right? Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Deeds put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. What's Paul saying there in Colossians 3? He's saying, take out the trash. Get the trash out of your heart. Get the trash out of your lives. And he's saying, do it now, not later. 
So we just got back from Ecuador, you know, and if you're here in the team, raise your hand if you were part of that team. Yeah, there are quite a few of you guys are here. Yeah, I can't wait. We can't wait to give the report, man. There's like 800 photos and videos. You guys, it'd be, it's crazy. Bortania is going to have a whole week to go through those. But when I came from Ecuador, I came home from Ecuador Friday at about 1230 in the afternoon, we have a back door that leads, you know, a little, a kitchen, a little kitchenette and the back door that leads out and around the corner of the house is where our trash bin is. So there was a nice trash bag sitting by the door, all t- it was full and all tied up, okay? And I looked at it, and I walked right on by. <laughs> I walked right on by it. So when Megan came home later that afternoon from work, right away she saw it and she said, I put that bag of trash there for you to take out, Greg. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, Megan. I just flew home from another country after being the hands and the feet of Jesus, and you want me to take out the trash? Um... That would be a yes. (laughs) And when she said it there by the door, she meant that I needed to take that trash out as soon as I got home and not just let it sit there in our kitchenette, you know, the little breakfast nook for a few hours, all right? She wanted me to take it out as soon as I saw it. That's That's a really good illustration for the dung gate of confession and repentance. As believers, we repented of our sins when we came to Christ, but gang, it doesn't stop there. Paul, and the word shows, get the trash out immediately. Don't let it sit in your heart like that trash set by the door, just festering and rotten, and pretty soon the whole house would smell, right? No. By a show of hands, how many of you have sinned since you came to to call on Christ as your Savior and your Lord? Raise your hand. That's right, okay? And, And if you didn't raise your hand, Tell me, how, tell me how to be perfect. No, I'm just kidding. It's all good. But that's true, right? None of us are perfect. Of course not. We sin, we mess up, we fail, we trip, we fall. We don't always do what we know we should do or what we know is right to do. And James, in the New Testament, chapter four, verse 17 of his book with the same name, says that even that is a sin, We just talked about the valley gate, which talks about humility and difficulties. Maybe we've walked through the previous gate, that gate, the valley gate of difficulty. Maybe we said some things we shouldn't have said. Maybe we acted in a wrong way. Maybe we doubted God. Maybe we had the wrong attitudes. I could go on and on and on and on. Gang, we need to go to the Lord. We need to confess and we need to repent to him when we fall, when we fail, when we trip up. We need to take our trash to him and let him remove it. Let him cleanse us, praise the Lord. It's not an excuse, it's not an excuse to fail, fall, trip up. It's just the, the nature of us. We're, we're, we're going to sin. Even Paul writes, hey, just because we have grace, does that mean it's, it's an excuse? He says, forbid it. But praise God because of what Jesus has done for us. Because he paid the ultimate price. He did the heavy lifting. He went to the cross for our sins. When we fail or trip or fall, We can immediately go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of that. Forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. Don't don't bag it up and leave it by the door. Take the trash out. Because repentance needs to be an ongoing thing in every believer's life. We constantly need to have a heart of repentance. The moment we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit... From when we fail or trip up, we need to go to the Lord right away and say, Lord, forgive me, I I repent, I'm sorry. The Greek word for repentance is metamaeo, and it means to think 
differently. It means to change your mind about sin and sinning. It's a change of mind, which leads to a change of heart. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is referencing in the Colossians passage that I read. And actually, you can read Paul and the disciples writing about this change of mind all throughout the New Testament in their letters. So I challenge you to ask yourself right now, when was the last time you confessed to the Lord and repented of your wrong attitudes, your wrong words, your wrong behaviors, your wrong entertainment, your wrong lust, your wrong passions, your greed, your pride, your temper and anger, your harsh words, your hate, your gossip, your slander, your false, I could continue, right? right? Or of those sins of omission, not doing what we know we should do. I know you, you might be like, easy, Greg. Oh, buddy, I don't like this gate. <laughs> exactly. It's the dung gate. It stunk, and our sins stink in God's nostrils. It doesn't smell good to him. And again, this wasn't a popular gate. People probably did not like going through this gate in the city of Jerusalem. And we don't like to go through it today. I mean, I talk about repentance and there's not a lot of, preach, amen, yes, Greg, woo! It's like the last gate, so like, one more gate! You know, it's like, oh, can we get through the dumb gate quickly? <laughs> And and honestly, guys, this subject can be missing from pastor's sermons because it's a very unpopular message. Nobody likes to be confronted with their sins. Yet the word of God does just that and the Holy Spirit convicts us of those sins. And when that happens, we need to go to the dung gate and confess and repent because this really needs to be a daily gate to build in our lives confession to the Lord and repent an ongoing thing, taking out the trash. Our next gate is found in the the 15th verse of Nehemiah 3, where where Nehemiah writes, Shalon, son of Kolhoza, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and roofed it. So the next gate, the sixth gate, is the fountain gate. And I absolutely love, 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 love this gate. This gate was located near the pool of Siloam. And that just sounds refreshing, doesn't it? Let's go to the pool of Siloam, all right? And what's interesting about this pool inside the city was there was a subterranean channel that always fed fresh water continually to this pool. And that's the key about this gate. It's right there. Fresh water continually flowed into this pool at the fountain gate. We learn our, 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 you know, what the application for us today is in Jesus' words found in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. John records on, that, on the last day, that great day of the feast, there was a huge, it was one of the Israel's huge feasts. People were all over Jerusalem. Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. 
So the fountain gate is symbolic of the Holy Spirit who is in the believer's life. And the Holy Spirit brings a constant flow of true water, refreshing water, water that makes you say in your spirit, ah, that's so refreshing. How many would agree? We've had some heat here in Texas this summer. Dude, Ecuador is beautiful. (laughs) It was rainy. It was cool. We wore jackets. It was very, very nice. As soon as we got in the airport of Houston, it hit you like a punch. Humidity, you know what I'm saying? Uh, But anyway, yeah, we've had some, some heat this summer. Isn't it so refreshing during this heat to drink a super big glass of water that's just got like 15 cubes of ice in it? Isn't that so nice? So refreshing, especially if you've been out working and you get that water and you're like, oh man, that's exactly what I needed. Listen, the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives is exactly what we need as believers. It's so refreshing. He is so refreshing to our souls and to our spirits. And as a believer, you need to pray every single day, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm glad three people agreed. That needs to be a constant prayer in your life. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you are building this gate in your life. We see in John chapter four, Jesus went to uh, Samaria, which was a town that Jews did not go to, all right? And he sat there at a well and he met a woman at the well and he asked her for a drink of water. He then began teaching her that anyone drinking that water would be thirsty again, but the water that he gives, the refreshing of the Holy Spirit is different. Listen to what he tells this lady in John 4, 14. Whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. That sounds like a fountain to me. <laughs> a well springing up and overflowing. We're talking about the fountain gate. And it's amazing that this gate followed the dung gate in the order that we're going to the city. The dung gate of repentance. Because when we repent, God cleanses us of the trash and then he fills us with his spirit. Praise the Lord. I read Acts 2.38 a few minutes ago, but this is exactly the pattern that the apostle Peter mentions in this verse. I only read the first half of verse 38. Listen to all of it now. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Gang, it's no coincidence. The Bible is not just a book written by a bunch of men. This isn't just coincidence. No, God authored this book. And it's so amazing that as we've gone around in this, uh, looking at the, uh, the, the city gates, you know, the sheep gate, it starts with Jesus. So we've gone around, we get to repentance, and then we come to the fountain gate and the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. The apostle Peter exactly says that exact timeline in 2.38. The apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, to be filled with the Spirit. Instead of being drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. And Paul's tense in his writing here it means to keep being filled with the Spirit. It's ongoing. It's constant. It's over and over and over again. It's not just a one-time thing. And that's good. Because I don't know about you guys, but I leak. <laughs> Spiritually, I leak. I am a leaky vessel. What I mean by that is, without replenishing spiritually, 
I can get dry, I can get brittle, I can get very parched. You ever been there? Maybe you're there there. Maybe you're there now. Spiritually dry, spiritually parched, brittle, like you're about to break. You know, we feel the presence of God and we're like, yes, man, that's awesome. It's like an, it's energizing, you know, and then we keep living life with the stress and the busyness and the worries and the anxiety and all those things. And that just, we, we leak. We leak. So much so to where we feel empty without replenishing. Like we can't go on. Spiritually, you, you begin to maybe look like the dirt all around here this summer, you know, all cracked, no moisture at all. Before we left for Ecuador, I, I, I'd had to, I had to do all the yard work, you know what I'm saying, at the house. And so I was mowing the grass and I, I, was, I was trimming, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And I noticed something I'd never seen before, okay, ever in my life. Up against the foundation of my house, I noticed a, a space between where the brick and the foundation was and the grass and the soil. <laughs> it was quite prevalent, only about a quarter to a half an inch. Anybody else notice that at your house? Anybody? A few of you? Yeah, right. I thought, man, that's really weird. And then it hit me. The, the ground is so dry, it's contracting. The ground is shrinking and pulling away from the house. Boom! That's us, gang. That's us. When we get spiritually dry and parched without refilling, we can actually start to pull away from the Lord. Our walk with the Lord can become stale. There's no passion. There's no fervor. God can seem distance. There's space, seemingly. We can get discouraged. We can get frustrated. Church attendance can begin to diminish. And the danger of spiritual indifference can actually set in our hearts and lives. Man, how we need the refreshing newness of the Holy Spirit. And gain just like repentance and confession, this should be a, a, a daily thing in our spiritual lives. You have to have it. We need the Lord, we need the Lord to just to pour a new anointing in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And the refreshing of the Spirit, it's not just limited to church service or praise and worship or prayer time. No, it's, it's available 24-7, 365 days of the year. You just say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. I'm dry. I'm brittle. Put on some praise music at home or in the car and just start concentrating. Read the Word and just let His presence just fill you. It's a spiritual discipline that's never really talked about. It's called practicing the presence of the Lord where we experience him and let him move in our lives and fill us and refresh us, you know? And so as we looked at these gates, look, we've come to Jesus, the sheep gate. We want to be as fishermen through the fish gate. We're standing on God's word as the foundation, hence the old gate. We've gone through difficulty in the valley gate. We've repented of sin. And now we need more power and life in our spiritual lives. So walk through the fountain gate. Build that in your life. Be filled and refreshed by the Holy Spirit. The Lord has it, has it just for you. He's ready, amen? The next gate's found in verse 26 of Nehemiah 3. Nehemiah writes, and the temple servants living on Ophel made repairs opposite the water gate toward the east and the tower 
that juts out. So the next gate, the seventh gate we're going to talk about is the water gate. Guess what the water gate was for? What do you think? It would bring water into the city. Hey! All right, yeah. This symbolizes God's word. The water gate represents the Bible. You might have noticed something a little interesting, verse 26. It doesn't say that they did any work on this gate itself. So they did work opposite of the gate. This gate apparently didn't need any work. It was good as it was. And gang, as we talked about in my last message with the old gate and the solid foundation, God's word doesn't need any work. It is perfect just as it is, praise the Lord. Amen, yeah, that's, that's right. Only we're the ones who are like, like I said, oh, I, I like this part of God's word, but I don't agree with that. I like this, but I'm not gonna go with that. I don't like that. I'm not gonna believe this, but I'm gonna, nope. You believe it all. Authority, authoritative, the rule for our lives. We don't get to pick and choose, no way. God's word doesn't need our help, <laughs> just like this gate is. God's word is true and eternal. And check this out. This is so great. It's so cool. Later in chapter 8, in Nehemiah chapter 8, after the wall was completed, all of the people gathered around together. It, it, it says that they gathered together as a, like they were one person, and there was a Jewish scribe named Ezra who had a wooden, a wooden podium built, and he read from the law to all the people. Basically, he read God's word to everyone. Guess where he read God's word to the people at? Right here in front of the water gate. He could have read God's law in any of the gates. Anywhere else in the city? No, right here in front of the water gate that represents God's word. He read God's law to all the people. That's amazing. So why does the water gate symbolize the word? We can learn this from Jesus. This is Jesus speaking in John 15, 3. You are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. Look, just as water washes and helps make us clean, so does the word of God. I mean, when I'm all filthy and dirty and smelly and stank, all right, I love to jump in the shower, turn it hot as it'll go, and just let the, the water just clean me and wash me and wash the filth off. Anybody else? Yeah, we all do, right? That's a great illustration regarding the cleansing from the Word of God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed according to your word. It's the word of God that helps us cleanse us and washes us. As a child, you probably sang the hit song, this is the way we wash our face, wash our face, wash our face. This is the way we wash our face so early in the morning, right? What's the next verse? This is the way we clean our hands, clean our hands, clean our hands. Did you guys not sing that song growing up? Huh? You're looking at me silly. How many never sang that song? I feel, what? What happened in Texas? Just kidding. How many did sing that song? All right. Yeah, okay. Makes me feel better. All right, right. Why, why do we sing that song? And why do we do that? Why, why, why do we wash our face and cleanse our hands? And hopefully we still do. We do it to make ourselves clean. What's one important thing we need to clean ourselves up? We need water, right? We need water. 
And let me tell you a real precious story that happened just a few days ago. High up in the mountain. Uh, we were painting, you'll see pictures later, we were, we, were, we were painting one of the churches there that we support. And they don't have running water in their houses in the church. It's like a little you know, quarter-inch hose sticking out of the ground, and it just drips water. That's all they got. So I'm covered in blue paint all over my hands. We're about to leave. I need to go wash it. So I go back to the back behind the church where the hose is coming out of the water, and I, oh, no water. They must have turned it off. There's a little girl, I guarantee she's probably three years old. And, you know, I'm just, I'm like, no agua. You know, it's, it's about the limited Spanish I know. You know what I'm saying? But she looked at me, and she said, agua, agua. And she, she, motioned me to follow her and she took me to a house that was behind the church and they had a wash basin that they could you know fill up they had a cup in there that they would use to wash up and she literally she took the cup she started washing my hands she dipped it down again started washing my hands they had a little package of powdered soap at least I hope that's what it was but um no (laughs) she grabbed a handful of it and put it on my hand and she started scrubbing my hands and then she continued to Wash my hands till they're clean. So precious. Gang, okay, we, we cleanse our spiritual selves. We wash our hands with the word of God, the water of God's word. And then now we can sing, this is the way we wash our souls, wash our souls, wash our souls. This is the way we wash our souls by reading the word of the Lord. <laughs> Hope that's not copyrighted. No, it's all right. <laughs> Jake, if you want to come up, man, you, you and the team, bro. A great minister by the name of J. Vernon McGee, who's a commentator and had a radio show for many years, he's gone on to the Lord. I love a quote that he said about God's word. He says, the cleanser, which is the Bible, is better than any cleanser advertised on radio or television. Now I'd say social media. <laughs> the word of God will not only take out the soiled spots it will keep you from getting further spots in your life. Here's a couple more verses from Psalm 119. They won't be on the screen. Just listen. The psalmist says, Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. I will walk in freedom, for I've devoted myself to your commandments. How I delight in your commandments. How I love them. Can that be said of us? Can that be said of you? That when you think of God's word, you say, oh, how I love the word of God. We have access to God's word now more than ever before. You can download multiple apps in every translation that's available. New King James Version, King James Version, the NLT, the CSB, the New American Revised Standard Version, the New Living Testament, God's word, the message, I mean, all kinds of things. We have it bound. We can go to any bookstore and buy multiple study Bibles, the fireman's study Bible, the policeman's study Bible, the coffee drinker's study Bible, the apologetics, the fisher. I've seen the fisherman's Bible, literally. It's waterproof on the outside. So while you're fishing, you can be reading the word of God. But yeah, what do we do? Eh, I don't need it. I'm not gonna read it today. We can listen to it. We have all full access. You can listen to a dramatized version of the Bible on an app called Bible.is, Bible.is. 
It's dramatized. It has music playing in the background. It's voice actors that are doing it. Just don't listen to Revelation late at night. Don't fall asleep to that. You'll wake up scared. That happened to me in Florida once, okay? But yet we, 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 we don't get into God's word. Here's your homework this week. Ready? School's starting. So your kids are going to have homework. So are you. Let's read Psalm 119 this week. I challenge you to read the whole, it's like, it's quite a few verses, but I challenge you to read it this week because it's all about the word of God. So I ask, are you reading his word? If not, I, I encourage and implore you to begin today. Take small bites, devotionals, read a passage of scripture, then grow to a little more. Let the Holy Spirit grow you. Then some chapters. Maybe at some point you get to where you read entire books at a time. I mean, no one sits down with a nice juicy steak or a big old chicken breast and they just, <coughs> the whole thing, right? I mean, you might. I hope not. That's unhealthy. <laughs> now, what do we do? We cut it and take little bites at a time and we savor each bite. Gang, savor the word of God. Let it be a daily habit in your life. Build the gate of the word in your life. Start small and let it grow. Trust me in this. Trust me in this. Your life will be much better. Mucho mejor. Is that right? Spanish? Yes, see? Ecuador has changed me. I'm going to be speaking Spanish soon, all right? <laughs> it will be much better when you build the water gate and walk through the water gate and habitually read God's word in your life. Forget Tony Robbins or any other self-help guru. Just get into his word. You want your life to be better? These three gates are really going to help you. They really will. Confess and repent. Be filled in the Holy Spirit. Refreshed by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and get into his word. And be cleansed by his word. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. and I thank you for your word. I, I thank you that you just love us. This is so beautiful, God, how you order. Even, even in something as so mundane as a city's physical gate, there's such spiritual application that applies to us thousands of years later. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it speaks to us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us right now. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for bad attitudes. Forgive us for going where we shouldn't go or doing what we shouldn't do or thinking what we shouldn't think or just not being Christ-like in the way that we live our life. Forgive us for not getting into your word like we should. Forgive me, Lord, for saying all these things too. Lord, we leak. Fill us with your spirit. Cleanse us with your word. Help us today, God, to build these gates as we look to the first gate that we talked about, the sheep gate. We look to you, Jesus. You love us. You gave your life for us. You took all of our sin, all of our failings, all of our transgressions, all of our shortcomings, all of that, Lord Jesus, you took it on yourself. And when you were nailed to the cross, those sins were nailed as well. And now we can find forgiveness in you. When we come to you, Lord, you don't hold our sins over our heads. You don't look at us and say, well, if you're not going to live perfect, why even try? No, you just continue to say, come to me. All you who are heavy laden, those that are laboring, and I'll give you rest. 
And I pray that people online and here this morning would find rest for their souls. Lord, maybe we need to do some more repenting and confessing to you, allowing you to forgive us, to get the junk out of our heart, the stuff that doesn't please you, Lord. Get it out. Take it out, Lord. Let us die to that as the Apostle Paul writes. And then fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for this congregation right now. Hallelujah. I feel your presence. I pray for those watching right now, Lord, that you would fill us with the refreshment of the Holy Spirit. I know that there's some here, God, they're listening and they are dry. They're spiritually brittle. Lord, they're about to break. Fill them, God. Let them fill your presence right now. Hallelujah. And convict this Holy Spirit and challenge us to read the word to allow the word of God to cleanse us. Praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Three more gates next week.